You're listening to 7 Points of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology. Supported by the HR Gazette and Hive Tech HR. And now your host, Jeremy Ames. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, my name is Jeremy Ames. I'm with Hive Tech HR. And uh, we're going to do another episode today of the 7 Points of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology. Today we're talking about implementation, uh, an area that's near and dear to my heart because I do a lot of work in implementation. Um, I'm joined today by special guest Pam Glick, who is the CEO of Sync HR. So say hi, Pam. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Great to have you on here. Um, as I've done in other sessions, I'll just kind of set the context. Uh, today we're talking about implementation, um, which in the process of things, we've gone through product, we've talked about the sales process, a little negotiation. Now we're getting into the, the real nitty gritty with the implementation piece before moving on to training, adoption, and support. So we'll just dive right in. Um, one of the things that happens, uh, and, and what we're going to try to do is we're trying to, we're trying to consider this, even though implementation happens post-sale, we're trying to make the considerations for things that we should be uh, concerned about while we're in the buying process. So one of the things that I find happens a lot of times when companies are transitioning from, from sales and then deciding whether to sign a contract is they have to decide, okay, who am I actually going to be working with at the vendor side? Because you start to get this comfort level with the salesperson and then you realize that they're going to be out of the picture in the not too distant future, at least from a day-to-day perspective. And you're going to be work, working with a whole new team of people. So one of the questions I often uh, encourage my, uh, the clients that we're working with to help find systems is to ask, are you going to be able to meet your implementation team? If not, even, even can you get a sense of their skill sets? What types of people will you be working with? Um, and what, you know, what areas? So, so how do you think that works, Pam, from your perspective? Um, is, it, is it advisable? Is there, are there challenges on your end? I know I've seen uh, vendors who have a challenge because they don't know who's going to be available once the client signs. So, but from your perspective, how important and, and what are some considerations about that in the buying process? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, if it's important to a client or customer, it's important to us as well. Um, so assuming that we can lock in at the time frame that they want to start the implementation, um, then at a minimum, we work to uh, get them the um, uh, project manager that would be assigned to their account. Um, and then the other things that we've done, even during the sales process, if there's a really critical, more complex component that they have um, as part of their implementation, then we'll also um, you know, bring in an, an individual that would lead the project as it related to those type of items. So uh, we do want um, our customers to be comfortable that they've got the right fit um, you know, with their team and that they feel comfortable with the individual so absolutely, um, like I said, if it's important to them, it's important. Yeah, I mean that goes back to actually in the in the session that I that I led on on the sales process. You're you're not only buying the the product or the software, but you're also buying the company. So it's where the people side of things actually matters a whole lot, and that's why this is this is an important topic, right? During that process. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So. One thing that uh, a lot of a lot of clients want to know is, okay, once I sign the contract, is there a waiting period? How fast are we going to actually get into 
um, into the implementation. And then even once you're in the implementation mode, is there a period that of uh, what, what a lot of people like to call phase zero, where you're kind of figuring out the, the client's processes, figuring out what their data constructs might look like, or how, how fast you actually get into that. So think about that time frame between signature uh, of the contract and when you get going. What are some considerations that you've seen and, and how does that work? Okay, so um, after contract signature, we typically um, set up a meeting within the next day or two with our uh, lead project manager to go through and just confirm the scope, all the information that came over from um, the sales team. And we also um, you know, work to get uh, data out rather quickly um, so that we can start looking at um, just the the actual information that um, the the company has um, data that we're going to be working with, as well as some basic information. Um, our goal with you know cloud-based HCM uh, solutions, our goal is to get some basic set of information and get the customer into the product uh, relatively quickly. So it's usually within the first two to three weeks um, that we actually start. Um, uh, running processes with a subset of data uh, from the customers so that they can start learning how to use the system. Um, we configure it in a very agile uh, way so that, um, you know, a lot of times customers, um, it's, it's hard for them them to just take a intake form and say, give us all your requirements and then let it, let's go in and, and set things up uh, based on those requirements because until they really get into the, the system and start using it, um, you know, they don't really know um, what they, how they might want to le leverage it to, uh, to best meet, you know, what their requirements are. So uh, the approach we like to take is, you know, once again, to get them in early within the first two, two to three weeks, uh, we configure it and build the system out on a very agile process so they can see um, their data and their configuration. And then we continue to build that um, through three to four um, iterations um, and, and, you know, confirmation of the design and then um, get before we get into end to end testing. Um, you know, we just see that's a uh, large advantage um, because we want to make sure, you know, prior to going live with implementation that the customer is very uh, comfortable with the system and knowledgeable about how it works. Um, so that exposure uh, very quickly is important to how we like to do implementation. Yeah, you brought up a, really, a couple of really good points, and I've seen this work differently with different software vendors, and that's when do you get the data and when does, when does the customer's data actually influence the process? Uh, I've seen it in many cases where it's pushed pretty far down the road. You do a bunch of configuration and then you say, okay, now we're ready for your data. And then I've seen that actually fail in some cases because you look at what they have and you're like, well, this doesn't fit with everything we've configured to this point. Uh, and then conversely, I've seen it where like kind of like you're describing where that drives configuration drives the setup and it gets the, the client into the system faster. Um, and then the other topic is this whole methodology approach. So you're talking about agile. Um, you, we have other methodologies like waterfall approach to project management and, and the way the system um, methodology would go. So that's actually a very important question that buyers should be asking the, the sellers is what is, what is your methodology? Because if they don't have, if vendors like yourself don't have a good answer to that question, it's, it's a pretty big red flag as far as how things are going to end up going. Right. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And the comment about data is very important. And, you know, after doing this for, you know, multiple years, you know, we definitely under, uh, understand that, um, you know, because, and it's not to say we have perfect data when we go into the, those sessions within the first two to three weeks. It's just, if we have a subset of the data, it's not completely cleansed or validated, of course, but it gives them familiarity with their, their data and their information. And so you know, we always set those expectations that, look, this isn't going to be perfect information, but it's going to give you familiarity. You know, we have a, another stream that goes on at the same time where we are going through the, um, the data cleansing process, you know, getting the data out, doing some internal checks before we actually bring it and um, to our system and then do another set of checks then. Um, but we've found that it works really well um, because it's so much more meaningful when it's um, their data and information. And with, you know, more modern um, HCM systems, um, it's very easy to be able to get the, the customers in the system earlier and start doing that just because of, you know, how they're architected. You know, in my days of doing PeopleSoft and Oracle before um, coming into SyncHR, you know, you, you did have a fair amount of configuration and setup you had to do before you could start running any processes. And, um, you know, that's another advantage of the, the more modern, you know, HCM solutions is that you do have the opportunity to get them in quickly. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so I put the dollar sign up here. We're going to talk a little bit about change and uh, managing change and the cause, the cost of change. Uh, but there's also a topic even before then. I mean, we talked a little bit about this in another session when we talked about the sales process, but um, the cost of implementation is a big concern, a big uh, consideration for, for uh, buyers and whether or not that's a fixed fee implementation, it's a time and materials, or in some cases it's a free implementation. I've seen, I've seen a, a variety of different approaches that vendors have taken to this. But uh, before we dive into the concept of change, what are your, what are your, some of your considerations when you, when you're talking about the, the cost of implementation? Uh, yeah. So this is, this is obviously a very important uh, component for a customer and their successful implementation of a solution. And there can be a lot of anxiety around this. Um, so we do try to um, fix fee engagement so customers don't have to uh, worry about whether or not, um, you know, how much it's going to cost to do that. But obviously, along with that, you know, there is time that needs to be spent um, to understand um, what the scope is. And, you know, this is something we do all the time. Uh, the customer doesn't necessarily do that. So, you know, we know those key factors that's going to drive uh, what it's going to take to uh, implement our solution. And so it's really driving through those and making sure we have a good understanding. Um, and, you know, the verification or validation with the customer um, that, you know, we've covered the, the key items, um, but we do like to do it that way. And then, like I said, with the way we build out the system, we give them the opportunity um, to, uh, you know, in this agile uh, implementation approach to adjust uh, things as they uh, go along. So the majority of the time, we're pretty successful in terms of getting through the implementation on the timeline um, and, um, you know, adhering to that overall fee um, just by making sure we ask the right questions up front um, and then managing that process throughout, uh, like I said, 
because we build this in an agile way, um, it gives them exposure to the system and we're able to maximize that versus, you know, waiting, just getting all the requirements up front and then waiting until and doing all the configuration and then bringing them in later in the process then that's really where I think changes come in because they just didn't know what they didn't know um, because they hadn't gotten in the system earlier. So between the, the questions we ask up front as well as the, this agile approach, um, we're very successful in being able to manage to the benefit of both our customer as well as us in terms of you know, getting through uh, the implementation for to uh to that's a, those are great points i mean to to add some levity to at least my broader experience which is uh, um you know across vendors across a, a bunch of dozens of implementations i've seen i've seen everyone go into that process with all good intentions even an agile approach but invariably i've seen uh, customers especially uh, highly demanding <laughs> clients or or buyers and and users uh where they ask for more and they they, you know, they want the system to do more. They want additional fields. They want, you know, a handful of additional reports that nobody knew about. Um, so there's going to be a, there's going to be a point at which something is asked for that is not, there isn't the money to do it. Right. So um, I've seen that work with change orders. I've seen it work with, you know, the, the vendor just eats it, they eat that cost and they, you know, they look forward to, to the recurring revenue that's in the future. But um there's no perfect solution to this. What, what from your perspective have you seen and, and are, do you have any insights to that? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, depends on the situation that you have uh, with the customer. Um, we obviously want to work hard to make sure they're very happy um, when they come out of it. So once again, I think it's, you know, kind of setting those expectations, you know, as you go through and there's, uh, and it depends, you know, maybe what they want to do as well. If it's something that um, we have other customers asking for, um, and are you know that we have on our roadmap, you know sometimes those are easier just to go ahead and do you know for no additional cost. So it kind of depends on you know what it is um, and you know how critical it is you know to their success. Um, so I don't think there's a quick easy answer on that. Yeah, it's it takes a strong PM is what my experience is to to try to make those decisions and make them for the benefit of or for, you know for the well being of the overall project, not just for one side or the other. Um, and then yeah. so now later on in the series, we'll talk about adoption of technology. Um, but even during the implementation phase, that that has to be considered. It has to be something that's um, people are preparing for. So. And I've seen this be done extremely well. I've seen it be uh, be done where it's not made. It's, the consideration is not made uh, heavily enough. So, what have you seen as far as uh, you know? What what should buyers be considering when they're thinking about you know whether or not the changes are going to be communicated? Is it the vendor's responsibility? Is it the end customer's responsibility? Um, what are your opinions on that? Um, our view is this is a very critical component to an implementation and its success. Um, if you don't have, you know, if you, you can have the best technology in the world, but if you haven't prepared the organization for the change to uh, adopt the, the solution, then it can fail. Um, so every one of our implementations has a change management component to it, um, where we work with our customers to uh, define a strategy, you know, to understand who the system's going to be uh, rolled out to, um, what it is they need to do, what's worked and what hasn't worked as it relates to uh, training users in the past. Um, so at a minimum, um, uh, we include as 
part of our base implementation, that stra uh, strategy component to identify that, to plan for it, to build it into the timeline, um, and you know make sure that that's considered from the very uh, first of the project. Uh, we can also, well, we also provide communication templates, um, training documentation, and that type of thing. Our typical approach is to do train the trainer, um, but that's always included because, uh, like I said, you can have the best technology on the planet, but if uh, you don't prepare the organization for the change associated with it, it can fail. Um, so that's always included, and then, you know, we do have uh, consultants who can do more, um, actually deliver the training and uh, help with uh, customizing training documents and helping with communications and that type of thing as well. Um, but every implementation we do definitely has that, that change management component absolutely critical. I guess the only reaction I can have to that is those are the kind of answers you want to get from your the vendor that you're looking at, uh, because I I can say with experience that you don't always get that. It's not that's not always the the vendor doesn't always give enough import or give enough importance to that particular topic. So if it's if they don't understand it and you're buying software and you get an answer that says oh yeah we kind of we push it all on you or they wouldn't say that, but if it feels that way, if it feels like they're not going to take it seriously, then there's a good chance. That's another one of those red flags to look out for. And then, you know, kind of on along the same lines, um, defining success. I've, I've been a part of so many implementations that does this really well, where they know that we set, we set in advance what the expectations are. You know, there's a, there's a project sponsorship team that kind of, um, that defines those things and, and what, what it means in terms of how long is the project going to take? Um, what are some quality measures? Uh, things like how did we stay under budget and even going as far as to, to do this whole concept of a net promoter score for the implementation itself. So, um, and I've, I've seen other, the flip side where it's not really defined. We get to the finish line, nobody celebrates. And then a, a week or two later, people wonder if we actually did get to the finish line, if it wasn't some sort of mirage or something. Um, so what is your perspective on this? Should, should there be this, uh, this level of definition or is it, is it something that can be more uh, on the fly? Um, I think it's important to have a level of definition around it. When we transition from sales into implementation, those key pain points or objectives that the client um, had identified during the sales process, those are discussed um, and how those um, items need to be realized through the implementation. Um, so it's something that um, we start with at the very beginning um, as we define um, the project and what is going to be successful. It's making, you know, like I said, making sure that the implementation team is aware of why they bought mm -hmm. um, the solution and what it is that um, they need to get out of it in order to be successful. And it's also setting, you know, the other items that you mentioned here, speed, quality, et cetera, you know, all of those are components of it as well. What are those business objectives that they need to get out of it in order to be successful? You know, what they're trying to solve for, uh, what timeline, um, you know, with, with, with uh, modern HCM solutions, you know, we have the ability to really get someone up and uh, utilizing the system and taking advantage of it fairly quickly. Um, but you know, you also have to make sure it works for the organization, and you've given them enough time to absorb things. So that's a very important thing that we try to set up front as well. And then, um, of course, you know, quality has to 
be incorporated throughout the process and make sure the validation happens and people mm -hmm. are trained and ready to use the system, um, you know, successfully once they do go uh, go live with it. So. Yeah, you mentioned the, the, that one word absorption. And, and so when we ask, we talk about definition of implementation success, that may or may not be felt fully for, you know, even potentially years after the implementation happens. But uh, so sometimes it's important to actually circle back and, and evaluate it kind of after the fact to see how well it did. But invariably, there are bumps in the road in implementation. There's more horror stories than there are success stories, unfortunately, in this world. Um, things, there are unexpected changes, team members who potentially leave in the middle of things, both on the, on the execution side, uh, meaning um, on the vendor or consultant side, as well as on the client side. Um, corporate changes, there can be an acquisition in the middle that, that cha challenges the implementation. The new scope topic we brought up before, I mean, these things all happen. I would say my perspective that from what a buyer might want to ask is how do you handle those kind of things? You know, what's your, what's your um, resource approach for when you have to swap out resources? How many people do you have on the bench kind of ready to step in? Um, so, and how do you, how do you handle potentially scope changes that result from major, major acquisition type things? So what's your perspective on that, Pam? Um, okay, so it's kind of what you mentioned earlier about, you know, your project manager um, and being able to, you know, um, you know, uh, work through those type of, like you said, the bumps in the road that mm -hmm. are going to come along um, is really the strength of that. So that's something that we definitely try to uh, incorporate into uh, the individuals that do that. But, you know, once again, it just kind of depends on um, what the change is. You always know that there are going to be certain things that are going to happen. It's it's just the way things are. So you plan for a bit of that. Um, but yet, you know, unexpected changes do come and, you know, you have to take different courses. There could be changes on our side. There could be changes, um, like you said, on the, the client side. Um, and it just depends on uh, where uh, we are, to be frank. You know, we do try to have ways um, to cover if, you know, if we are pretty, um, uh, lean on availability of resources by shifting or leveraging pe people out of um, other teams to, to help with things, but it just kind of depends on when it is and, and where it's at. But it does really take that strong uh, project manager working closely with the, the uh, customer, keeping open lines of communication um, and, you know, being responsive. Um, and trying to stay on top of changes as they occur and what that's going to uh, mean on both sides, thinking about it from a resource uh, timeline um, scope, depending on where you are in the, the life cycle of the project. Yeah, excellent. And when, when customers are buying, looking for a system, I would say if you get, for example, three, three reference, ref, references, right, and you ask each of them how did the implementation go and they all say it went wonderful, I would even... I would even encourage, if I'm helping the buyer, I would even encourage them to say to the vendor, can you please provide one client that you had some challenges, but they're still a client of yours. They're still, you know, willing to be a reference. But, you know, if those are the things you, you learn more from that and how the software vendor handles those types of bumps than you do from the ones that go perfectly start to finish. Cause you know, that just proves that they did it great, but there aren't any, there aren't as many lessons. Right. So. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I agree because I'm definitely not here to tell you that all of our implementations go perfectly. Yeah. 
Um, but exactly what you just talked about is if something doesn't happen the way that you um, you or the customer would ideally have liked it to happen, how do you learn from that and make sure you do it better? And that's how our whole implementation methodology has evolved is what we've learned from, you know, what's worked and what hasn't worked um, has really informed that. So we're all always um, working to learn from what happened and uh, to continue to do better going forward. And we'll, uh, we'll close things out with uh, your choice. So one of the things that you maybe we haven't talked about, or maybe we just referenced it, but what do you think is a very important aspect of implementation in the buying process? Uh, I, you know, go back to some of the things that we've already talked about is just trying to make sure you have clear definition and expectations up front and that you pay attention um, to the whole change management side of things. Um, because that's going to, you know, absolutely factor into the, the success and everybody wants and needs to have a successful outcome. So, yeah. Definitely. A definition is huge. And that's where you always, you know, when things go wrong, it's always, well, we asked for this up front and, and they're like, you were taking notes, right? I've heard that so many times from a discovery, like, or a, uh, kickoff session, discovery sessions. You guys were taking notes about this one very specific thing that I mentioned one time that never made its way into a document, but now we're expecting it, you know, in month or in month four out of five. So uh, defining, defining not only includes saying something, but also that it ends up in some agreed upon uh, for like, whether it's a spreadsheet, whatever your, your methodology is on that project, it needs to be documented so that everyone agrees to it. Yeah, absolutely agree. And the, the thing I would add to that as well is one of the things that we're trying to do is doing a better job of transitioning things from the sales process yeah. into implementation. So we've created a standard framework where we, we anything that gets gathered through the sales process up front, um, as we do demos and have discussions with the customers about what their needs are or concerns, um, you know, getting that documented as part of that process and transitioned into the implementation team. So they have the benefit of everything that was discussed during the sales process and maybe key items um, that were uh, discussed, you know, maybe this uh, report that's unique to them, but that's very important um, so that we can hopefully minimize uh, those type of surprises by, you know, transitioning that information in and having that become part of the official statement of work that gets to uh, put together um, that really uh, defines and hopefully helps remind everybody and us not miss something um, going into implementation. That was the last final nugget, which we'll, which we've given to people, which is the question, the literal question, uh, during this process, when you're talking to that salesperson, how is this conversation that I'm having with you, with you right now going to be received by the implementation team? You know, the things that you're saying that you can do, how are they literally, how are they going to find out about that? You know, what's the process? Is it going to end up in the, in the uh, scope of work? Is, is it going to be something that you're documenting and I'm going to see the notes for it? Like those, cause that's where you, you don't want to start out things having that miscommunication or that, um, lack of coordination between sales and implementation that just is it's starting things off the wrong way exactly so that's uh that wraps us wraps us up for this session um i want to thank pam uh for joining us thank you so much here's her email address for people if they want to get a hold of you thank you very much yeah
and my contact information there. So, uh, and as I say at the end of each of these, be sure you uh, go and check out the previous episodes we recorded to this point and um, stay tuned for the remainder of the series. It's uh, shaping up to be a fun one and, and hopefully educational for you. So thanks again, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to 7 Points of Satisfaction in Buying HR Technology. Subscribe on iTunes and learn more at hrgazette.com.